Yeah, that went okay. It wasn't bad. Corey and I are out of practice. It's been a couple weeks since we've been together here on Libservative. He, of course, is Corey Walsh. And he is Dan Griffin. And this is Libservative. Uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming on a very fun Friday. Uh, we, have, have, we have way too much to get to. I have solids coming out of both ends now, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope we hope that uh, you enjoyed last week's episode, our, our rerun of our interview with Dr. Dylan Selterman from back in July. Corey wasn't feeling well, and so we decided to run that one back because it was just an interesting conversation. In fact, I went back and listened to it again, and I was just as it's still relevant. In, yeah, I was still interested, just as interested in it, in it the second time as I was the first time. But that was, you know, Corey was Corey had liquids coming out of all orifices of his body, and so we every single orifice. He didn't have COVID. He's already had that. But Twice. Didn't we, t- didn't, didn't, we talk, <laughs> didn't we talk last week or the last time we did a show and your son CJ was sick and you're like, ah, oh, he's almost over it. We'll be fine. And then all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. So it's I feel so bad for my wife because like two weekends ago was her birthday. So we were supposed to have a whole, uh, you know, birthday shindig for her. And then her and the, her and the boy uh, got sick. So we had to cancel it. So then the following weekend was like, all right, let's ramp it up. We're going to have people coming now that couldn't make it last week. And now they're going to make it this week on top of everyone that's going to come. We're going to have a nice big old party. And then the king of the house, you know, the ruler of the land, old Corey Walsh got sick. So we couldn't do it last weekend either. The king of the house. That was Corey. La- that was Corey last weekend. The king of the castle. <laughs> I'm surprised. That's funny that it didn't end. <laughs> yeah. What is this, Howard Stern? <laughs> we Welcome doing? to Libservative. Fart jokes and potty humor. And lots of boobs. <laughs> what are you drinking you- tonight, Corey? Some beer? Uh, yeah, I just have beer tonight. I'm drinking some outside bean flicker. Weren't you drinking that last time? Maybe that's what caused the the no. I had uh, dirtiness in your toilet. The uh, the patties. It was the patties pub red Irish red ale uh, by Oddside. A little early though. A little early. Just yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So how was your St. Patty's Day? I worked a lot, and I came home. I had a couple black and tans and some corned beef, and just passed the fuck out. <laughs> I am As the wor- see, I am the worst I'm, Irish person ever. As you can see, I am wearing my my Irish hat, and I have an Irish shamrock on. I'm still living the Irish. Uh, well, you got a plastic shamrock there, do you, Corey Wallace? I do. Well, I have an Irish scar too on my an, chest, an Irish, near and dear to me. An Irish scar? Yeah, it's an it's a shamrock tattoo. Oh, I thought you couldn't even go like hardcore and go with a with a nice clada there. Come on. What you want me to get some? 
Celtic art or whatever. It's a shamrock. I don't want. I don't want to have to explain my tattoo every single time I show somebody my tattoo that I'm Irish. What do you feel Irish? You know what a clodda is. Yeah, but it's for the masses. I got you. I got you. I drew it myself. Actually, it's for the fake Irish people. It's for the. It's for the. It's for the women on St. Patrick's Day that are not even close to Irish. But it's a really good excuse to show off their. Yeah, I ran into a girl actually from Ireland last night. And like she like I could tell because you know a lot of people just say they're Irish or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh she walked up to me and she's like, Oh, and she had the accent. She's like, Oh, what's your what's your last name there? And I was like, It's Walsh. She's like, Oh, so you're not Irish. She's like, Where's your where you're from? I'm like, I'm third generation from Dublin, straight out of uh, you know, you know, I, I started rambling out of her. She's like, Oh, so you are Irish. She's like, Good for you. And so my get up when I go out on on uh, St. Patty's Day is a uh, three foot by five foot Irish flag worn as a cape <laughs> in this hat. And so it gets a lot of uh, people going, Hey, are you really Irish? And I'm like, how fucking dare you ask me? And who asks that question? Cause it's just so hard to tell if you're pale enough. It's all that matters. You can always right. lie about it. <laughs> right. But I find solace in the fact that I really actually am Irish. What do you have? You, have you ever actually kissed the Blarney stone? Carrie Walsh. Not yet. <laughs> it's on my to-do list, I guess. Seems dirty. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of dirty. <laughs> speaking of dirty. So what are you drinking, Dan? This daylight save. Oh, dirty. Dirty martini. Yes, of course. Ooh, there you go. I was going to talk about this daylight savings time bill, which is also, uh, it's also a little bit dirty. I know. Straight up Sagar and jetting it. Yeah, I didn't even know, because I, I haven't listened to Crystal and Sagar. Sagar? Sagar? Saga all week, and you said during the pre-show that everything <laughs> that I said going off on your rant. And I'm was, like, okay, what's up, Saga? Was like the same thing that he had said, but no, it, it's like it just doesn't make sense. It, first of all, it's Marco Rubio. I don't know why Marco Rubio wants this. I haven't really looked a whole lot into why Marco Rubio wants to make daylight savings time go on forever. Uh, but I can tell you it's a really bad idea for us in Michigan because our sun won't rise until like 9.30 in the morning during uh, certain winter days, which is just bad for people that have to send kids to school. And then people will go, hey, well, why don't you just move the school day back? Well, people start work shifts at 9 o'clock, so not a good idea. I don't like it. I I need the daylight to wake up, Corey. You don't because you get up at like, midnight and go to work or whatever it is yeah i'm just you know i'm 30 about to be 33 this year and ever since 18 been straight blue collar waking up at between like four and six every day so i'm used to waking up before the sun regardless of the time so to me i have no dog in this fight but uh yeah it sounds as evidenced by Dan here, it sounds like some people are a little pissed off about this. It's just other people seem like they're happy about it, and some people are all like, "Huh, it's not a good idea." Multiple studies have shown that it helps to have that daylight in the morning time to get your day started. It helps with that seasonal depression. If I've got to wait when I wake up until ten thirty in the morning to see some daylight. I'm not going it's it, it this is I'm just not going it's not going to help me start my day. I need to start See, now, my day with the sunlight rather than end my day with the sunlight. When I did carpentry a few years back, uh when you roll into a house and like so when you go to do trim carpentry, it's uh 
you know, there's a process for every house building. It goes, you know, the framing, you know, and then you get into like the drywall and the insulation and stuff like that. But then before the painters and the, and the finished plumbers and stuff come in, the trimmers come in. And so I remember showing up to work, work sites. We'd go to a house and when there was times to where the sun didn't rise until eight o'clock, we had to start later. So I get it for that in that aspect. But in my present time right now, it's like that's Corey's all for it. He'd rather he'd rather have the the daylight at the end of the day where it's not important because you're going to stay up later if it's late if the sun's out later, right? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I literally have no dog in this fight in this very moment. So, well, when you talk to somebody with a fucked up circadian rhythm, this that's the type of answer you get. All right. Corey doesn't care. <laughs> Corey doesn't care about daylight savings time. Anymore. I literally was out until like one o'clock in the morning last night and uh, went into work today, you know, at 6 a.m. And I had someone walk, someone walk by me and go, you look really healthy today. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. So uh, I, di- I didn't look that healthy yesterday. <laughs> I guess I don't need sleep. <laughs> the less sleep I get, the better I look. I mean, go back a week and you were puking and shitting your brains out. So I got to stop making fun of you because what's going to happen is I'm going to get sick. <laughs> like, yeah, because like right now what's pissing me off isn't necessarily being sick last weekend, but it was my haircut. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know what I throw you off. I got a haircut. I'm wearing a hat right now. Because but yeah, I got a sucks? haircut. And my hair, I should have went to your sister, I guess. Uh, my hair. She does good work. Lady Jane's. I don't even remember which location, so sorry. <laughs> uh, so I was wearing a beanie before I went in, and I had long hair, and the beanie pushed all my hair the opposite way. It's where I usually like, swoop it from right to left, but the beanie made it look like it went from left to right, so this bitch didn't believe me, and <laughs> I just got <laughs> That was very misogynist of me. It's okay. You were just, it's all right. Sometimes we talk out of our ass. You'll be okay. The chick didn't believe me that like, I'm like, no, my part. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, no, listen, my swoop goes from right to left. She's like, yeah, but it looks like it goes left from right. I was like, yeah, it's because we're in a hat all day. Like, She goes, okay. And so she decided to try to do my haircut from the left to the right. And so she was halfway there and she was like, oh, you're right. It does go from right to left. And I was like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, and then she goes, what do you want me to do with your beard? And I was like, don't touch my beard ever. I I trim my beard. And she goes, okay. And then she goes, do you want me to do anything with it? And I was like, if you want to do anything, I was like, just fade the hair, you know, the number three into the beard. And then she just dove into my beard and put this (laughs) into it. I literally, it was like, watching okay uh, just sit down please it was like watching one of those uh what are they called what are those really really fancy eggs that are made of like golden glass or whatever like a Fab- faberge egg the faberge egg it was look it was like literally watching somebody drop a faberge egg on the ground i was like what, what the fuck are you doing and then, like be honest if you she, saw a faberge egg hit the floor you'd probably start laughing though yeah, I would have. I would have had less stakes in the beverage, uh, less <laughs> than my beer. And like, and she did. She just dove into it. And then, like, when she was done with it, it looked like I literally like fell asleep on it for like six hours. It was all crooked and stuff. And she and that dude, I wasn't happy. You're still not. And happy, then my and then dude, my bitch ass was still tipping her the, like the money that I typically tip people. Like, oh, here you go. Thanks for my haircut. I hate it. <laughs> you know, like. And like I had to come home, and like the reason why it's so short right now is because I had to come home and even it out myself. 
And like, oh, everyone at work is like, oh, your hair looks good. And I'm just going, no, it doesn't. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> My boss He's goes, got I a didn't great know memory, you were so guy. vain. And I'm like, what do you want from me? I'm like, yeah, sure. It looks fine. But I'm pissed. And yeah, never looks the same to you, though. Even if I'm the one that has to stare in the mirror at this face. A lot of the day, don't you? I do. I spend way too much time looking at myself. You don't seem like a very vain guy. I'm I'm the one with the asshole like slick back hair. I'm the guy I'm the guy who's I'm the one of us of the two of us that looks like he spends too much time in the mirror. Wait, do you really don't think I'm not vain? You really don't think I'm vain either? Okay, this makes me feel good because you're the second <laughs> person this week that said that when all of my friends do nothing but call me conceited and cocky. Oh. Well, I guess I just don't know you very well. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I put on a good front for the audience. <laughs> Okay, just sit down, please. <laughs> okay, I will. All right, I will. All right, so Corey doesn't give a shit about uh, daylight savings time, and I don't think we should have permanent daylight savings time. On to the next thing. <laughs> we can talk about it more if you want. <laughs> I don't think there's really much more to say. It's just a bad fucking idea. It's, it, time it, is like, it, 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 what, what cracks me up about just it. some money grab honesty. for Marco Rubio. And it. If I want to get philosophical about it, what cracks me up about it, it's just like, I guess time really is a construct and we just make it up and just go, all right, I guess we're just going to make it 26 o'clock whenever we fucking want and just do whatever we want with the time. Time and gender. What do they have? Because it it does. It it does. It cracks me up when everyone is like, yeah, but if we change the time back, then we're going to have more time uh, of daylight. And it's like. To me, I'm just thinking, like, what the fuck does it matter? You can call it any, you can put a number to any time you want. The sun is still going to set at the same time and it's still going to rise at the same time. We can call it five o'clock. We can call it nine o'clock. We can call it 38.96 o'clock. It doesn't fucking matter. This like, is, the sun's going to rise and set at the same time no matter what. This is getting unbearably philosophical. That's I get yeah that's I, that's that's what I said that's me just like when I, when, <laughs> when I first heard this and they're just gonna change time and I was like all right I guess I guess that's what we do we just make up the see. rules as we go oh well, we're only fifteen minutes into the show and I already have to top off my martini so let's do that real quick we can talk about more philosophical stuff Dan you want to talk about life no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about existential crises every single day. I don't need to acknowledge them. I want to talk. I want to. I want to talk about how much Americans suck at taking polls. Bring it on, Dan. America's perception of war a little off based on recent polling numbers. Uh, so a Reuters Ipsos poll, and, and it's and this thing has made its rounds throughout various publications, but this Reuters Ipsos poll talks about various things from no-fly zones to the American support of, of uh, halting the purchase of Russian oil. Uh, and What else is in there? Uh, uh, reasons for why they're okay with paying higher gas prices. So we'll just start with, we'll start with the, uh, the no-fly zone. So 74% of Americans supported, this is as of uh, March 4th, right? So we're, we're a little bit removed from this, but it, it the point still stands. 74% of Americans supported a NATO no-fly zone over Ukraine, while a majority of Americans also opposed sending troops and or conducting airstrikes. Here's what's interesting about that. You can't have one without the other. <laughs> so who who are the 74% of Americans 
that don't understand, or, or whatever the percentage is, that don't understand that you, if you do a no-fly zone, that is an act of war, right? In this situation, yeah. It, it this just, is, we're not just pushing around a small country that doesn't have an air force. We're talking about another nuclear-armed, regulated military. I had, I actually, and then I had the CBS News poll. I'm actually going to share the screen here real quick. This came out uh, not long after. Yeah, no, this is a good one actually because I was about to share this on our Instagram. So, CBS actually asked the question in the two separate ways. So, well, I think it was actually YouGov. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It was. It, it, yeah, but, it was YouGov. Um, CBS just shared it. C- CBS pub- actually published it. So, this you can see it up in the top corner. It says YouGov, but. One question is no fly zone over Ukraine. Fifty nine percent support, forty one percent oppose. And then you go down and say no no fly zone over Ukraine if it's viewed as an act of war, and only thirty eight percent support and sixty two percent oppose. They because go, it is they it go is hand a, they go hand in hand. They do. It is an act of war. If One you, thing that people aren't like is you know what like let's be honest, you know Russia's fucking. Like at this point on the ground, when you look at uh, like Simtech maps and stuff like that, Russia still really hasn't gained that much ground in Russia from what it was like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The Ukraines are holding their own on the ground when it comes to trying to move troops around. But the byproduct of that is civilians, innocent people, and bystanders like getting straight massacred. We're we're seeing numbers skyrocket when it comes to innocent deaths. And it's very, very sad. Do, how much of this do you think has to do with the fact that we've been so far, literally since the Civil War, Americans have been so far removed from actual warfare, even, even though we've been involved in huge wars since then, World War I, yeah. World War II? Yeah, we keep it, yeah, other than... Uh, I mean, other than like, there hasn't been an act of war on American territory or uh, American sovereign land since 1941, which even then, arguably, because Hawaii, when Hawaii was attacked at Pearl Harbor, it wasn't even considered a state at that time. You don't consider 9-11 an act of war? It wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was definitely like it was an it was a terrorist attack. You know, it wasn't. Okay. I guess you know it so was. There's a disti- you're distinguishing the two, and that and that's fine. How I'm, do you, not, like, I'm not calling it's, you out. For it's that. a blurry line, yeah. you know. I guess, but uh, but what you're like, saying when it comes is to that- an act of war, like there's a clear, definitive target. It's an it's you know it's it's a, a head of state, and when it's a terror, that's what makes yeah. that's why terrorism was so scary in 2001 was because of the fact that there wasn't a head of state. Terrorists could be anywhere. Any Muslim that lives next to you. Might be a terrorist. Now it's any any Democrat that lives next to you might be a terrorist. Yeah, <laughs> or any Republican that lives next to you. That's a domestic terrorist. Depending on which news source you watch. Do things about that. I just find that this, I saw this and I just went, this. I think this just tells me everything we need to know about something that we talk about often on this show, which is just the, 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 the perception that people have from the news that they get from corporate media, but not yeah. not not only that, but but also the uh, the fact that people just don't have time. 
they, they, they look at this and they go, okay, um, no fly zone over Ukraine. Oh, wait, okay, so that means that the Russians are going to be, it's going to be harder for them to take over Ukraine? Okay, We're going to cool. tell the Russians to not fly and they're, gonna, they're just going to say, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Let's do, let's go with that. Oh, but yeah, but what if it, what, but hold on, let me move down. But oh, I don't even have it up on the screen anymore. But, but what if it means uh, that, that it's considered an act of war? Oh, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not so good. You know, and it's funny because as we're talking about this right now, I'm like kind of like the gears and the gears in my head are turning, Dan. <laughs> and I'm thinking about how the fact that like how information in America when it comes to our media is like taught through a vacuum. And that like the talking points in America right now are no fly zone. Yes, no fly zone. No, but not the ramifications or what it means. Right, right, right. When actually enacting a no-fly zone and literally giving – I'm going to add this to the stream again real quick because literally giving just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more words to the question <laughs> of no-fly zone over Ukraine if it's viewed as act of war. They didn't even say it right that it's not if it's viewed as an act of war. They even took Anne out like they were making a Twitter and well, they, they were had, trying they to run make out. It, they, they ran to, out of characters. No, they had to make it so and, Trump supporters could read it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you support Donald <laughs> Trump, I'm just kidding. Jesus. But like, if you just add that tiny bit of information that takes two seconds to say, the the, the script is flipped. Yeah. And it's insane to me, like that's that's just the binary uh, measures that our mainstream media is drawn is uh, written by. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a matter of perception, right? It completely you it completely changes. Is it perception or is it just lack of context? It's probably a little bit of both. I would say it's just lack of context. Your perception is based on the context, but if you're not given the right context, then it's just straight oblivious perception. And it has so much to do with something that we talk about often on the show is that just people just don't have the time to parse out what they're actually looking at. I mean, they're 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 too busy with the grind. They're too busy, you know, sending the kids to school and going to work and coming home. I don't know, maybe we'll catch a half an hour of news and see what the hell's going on in the world. And it's just like these these news organizations, they know that. They, they do they just we're doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah. They don't, and that's that's what you and I do, and that's why that's why you and I so often on this show, Corey, have plugged uh, other podcasts. We we don't get paid to do that. We don't get paid to tell you to go listen to Crystal and Sager or Jimmy Dore or you know any of the others that 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 we've that we've discussed or or Barry Weiss, who we really like a lot. We don't even know these people. We just know that they're good sources, and that's what's more important to us. Yeah, it's, and it's funny actually you mentioned Barry Weiss because. Uh, a little personal inflection. Uh, just recently, I shared the most recent Barry Weiss uh, podcast with a friend. And I was like, yo, you should check this out. And he's like, you like Barry Weiss? And I was like, what? Yeah, was like, her podcast is great. Now, did goes, I have friends say that like, you're not supposed <clears throat> to like Barry Weiss. <laughs> well, he said that because he's also a Tulsi supporter. Ah, Barry Weiss is the one that was on Joe Rogan calling Tulsi a Russian asset couple years back okay all right and he's I like i didn't even know that this? yeah i didn't i didn't miss it blew my mind it went completely over my head because like i literally when i saw the video i've seen it a million times i shared it and like called the chick i'm like i don't know who the hell this chick is <laughs> but like 
what does she think she who does she think she is calling uh Tulsi a Russian asset? But since then there's obviously been an awakening or whatever and, and she, she's awake not woke Dan. yeah i mean didn't she did, i mean she originally she used to work for the new york times right mm-hmm. so it makes sense it makes sense and, and that's and that's the thing because i'm i'm the i'm the kind of person that was just like barry weiss a few years ago, I mean, go back to 2016. I was I was the guy that was saying we need to do literally everything we can do not to elect Donald Trump. Go Hillary Clinton. I love you. I want you to get elected. And like hindsight being 2020, I'm like, nope, nope. That was it's interesting too to see that, that wasn't because the way to look there at is it. a tide that's changing. Like look at yeah. like for example a Barry Weiss, a Bill Maher. Look at Bill Maher's monologues uh, three years ago versus now. He was literally talking about how the economy should collapse for the sake of getting rid of Donald Trump. You remember that? Yeah. Any anything to get rid of Donald Trump was was uh, considered good, good, good thing. Got to do that. Yeah. Got to get rid of Donald Trump. And that's what that and that's what gave Trump supporters so much legitimacy. And we're so far away from where we originally started this conversation, but that's what gave Donald Trump le- legitimacy. When you make when you make this human being, this this unbelievably horrible pariah, and nobody already nobody trusts you. You know the the establishment, United States government. It's going to make a huge faction of the country go. Oh, hang on a second, and you don't yeah. even, you don't even have to be that smart to figure it out. You know. Yeah. What happened to the cancellation of Joe Rogan? It's. What happened to COVID? Doesn't exist. This anymore. time last year, there was like 1,100 people dying. Or this time, two years ago, when the entire country was shut down, there was like 1,100 people dying a day from COVID. And now we're at like 1,500 and COVID's over. It's just amazing how like the media narrative. We have a new boogeyman. <laughs> we don't We don't need COVID anymore. We have a new boogeyman. It's Vladimir. No, what was it? It's Vladimir Putin. Uh, I think it was actually in that same article when we talked about unity in the country. And you pulled away COVID, and now all of a sudden Russia's the enemy again in uh, the country. Oh, yeah. You want me, hold like, on. Let me run down and find that. I will show that poll number. This is from the yeah, same it's, poll. Yeah, it's insane to me. Just all of a sudden, when there's an external enemy, an existential uh, crisis against the country, that go. all of a sudden we shore up and get union. It's because we all fucking know that at the end of the day, America really <laughs> is a decent country to live in. We're just so privileged. And soft. And so, and not, uh, I wouldn't say soft. No, we're fucking soft. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when it comes to soft, but it's just, we're so privileged. Squishy, like a gummy bear. And we're so sheltered from the rest of the world, being on a continent from the rest, like literally like on a continent that is kind of in lockstep overall of like what we're doing uh, versus the rest of the world that we just, we have the time to argue about the bullshit. So to where I, I moved down to it here, Corey, the, 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 the poll question that you were talking about. And to me, this poll question and the way it was answered speaks to so much of how corporate media manipulates the way our collective mind works mm-hmm. as Americans. If you look at this, it's biggest threat to American way of life. For those that are just listening and can't see it on the screen, uh, economic forces... As of December of 2021, 24% of Americans said economic forces were the biggest threats to the American way of life. Now, 36%. Move down to the next one. Other Americans, and this is the big one, other Americans, as of December, 
at least of those polled here, said that uh, other Americans were the the biggest threat to the American way of life. 44%. That is almost half. Mm-hmm. I look at that number and I go, that is everything. If this poll is accurate, and I, I it's from YouGov, so I would believe that it is relatively accurate within a you know three-point margin of error. Other Americans, 44% say that said as of December, that was the biggest threat to the American way of life. It how uh, was fu- it how fucked 2. up is that? 2.6 is the is that what it says down on the bottom? Error. Yeah, like yeah, 2.6 2.6% is the margin is of the, error. Uh, on this. Yeah, the margin of error. But even if even if it's 10%, I mean that yeah. that means 34% of Americans 44. Well, if if the margin of error is 10%, then oh yeah, it went from thirty four to eighteen. Yeah. So, no. What I'm saying is, in in a, in a hypothetical world, if the margin of error weren't three percent, if it were ten percent, you're still talking about thirty four percent of Americans in a hypothetical world that think that the biggest threat of uh, t- to the American way of life is other Americans. As of December, now it's twenty eight percent. Why? Because we have a new boogeyman. And if you add that ten percent margin of error <laughs> to that, it's eighteen percent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it uh, so the poll it says two point six. So it so between forty six point five and forty two point five percent of Americans think the biggest threat to America is other Americans, and then it December. went from forty three to forty six percent to now twenty eight percent, thirty thirty percent to twenty six percent think other Americans. So all of a sudden, now that there's an existential uh threat everyone's like oh yeah no it's uh and as of <laughs> and as of december foreign threats 9% of americans thought that that was the biggest threat to the american way of life it's now doubled 18% i can't imagine why and then the natural world which basically means another one on here is natural world uh is a threat of the way to american life natural world will essentially be climate change environmental issues and things like that that went from 23 percent to 18 percent it's all about russia man yeah it's the it's it's the newest it's the newest boogeyman and look this is something that we've talked about a little bit privately i don't think we've had a, a ton of time to talk about it on the show Corey. but this is such a nuanced difficult thing because look the simple explanation is this Putin is evil and we have to stop him. Now, on its surface, I don't disagree with that assessment. We have to figure out a way to make Putin stop slaughtering Ukrainians. Like, that's that's absolutely true. However, that doesn't mean that there isn't... There, it, Putin being evil isn't the only thing that caused this war to happen. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, so... When it comes to what's happening in Ukraine, I thought of a really, really good metaphor. All right. And I've run this by a couple of people, and everyone is like, oh, wow, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. Uh, it's another hot topic. Corey. What'd you say? Allegories by Corey. Allegories by Corey. This should be a segment of its own. Um, think of a school shooting. When Whenever a school shooting happens in America... Uh, a lot of times it's a kid that was bullied. It's a kid that was picked on. 
given swirlies, given wedgies, just just straight up fucked with, right? For years and years and years and years and then all of these kids, we always find out in the aftermath after a lot of people have died and stuff like that, that, oh man, yeah, this kid was the quiet one. He was by himself. Kids picked on him and things like that. Uh, Now that doesn't, just because the kid was bullied and picked on, that's never, ever, ever a justification for the fact that he, you know, massacred other kids in his school and took innocent lives of other young kids who didn't know any better. And that they were just being kids. Uh, I think that that right there is a good parable for what's happening in Russia or with uh, Ukraine, because since 1990 and the verbal agreement, uh, we basically told Russia, yeah, we're not going to expand Ukraine. We're not going to uh, do anything to affect your sovereignty as a country and this and that to Russia. And then since then we've constantly encroached on their borders and done all these things and we poked them and prodded them and done everything that we could in our power to make it economically advantageous for us versus Russia. And then Russia finally said, you know what? Fuck you guys. We're just, I guess we're just going to invade Ukraine because we have nothing else to do. And literally them invading Ukraine and slaughtering innocent civilians and innocent citizens and really just fucking Ukraine up is almost like a school shooter finally snapping and going into school and shooting his fellow schoolmates. Now, when the aftermath is over, we always go, Oh my gosh, how did we let this happen? Like we don't, we don't justify or try to like explain and justify like the school shooter going to the school and shooting and saying, well, <laughs> uh, this kid shouldn't have pushed him into the locker. You know, it's like, no, what he did was absolutely terrible, but there's context to it of what it's happening. And it's basically the same exact thing. There's context that leads up to this point that America isn't innocent in, but what Russia ultimately did is hundred percent wrong. And there's no way you, you can try what? to spin it and say, and the, and the school shooting allegory works so well too, because you know, Unfortunately, the most recent one was right here in our backyard, Corey. The uh, the Oxford shooting, which was a, a tragedy, an, an unfortunate event. But the allegory fits because think about what happens after a school shooting. We know this because it just happened here. Then we always go, "What went wrong?" No, but not just that. But it, it goes. It's it's always it, it's always reactionary. We need to put metal detectors in all schools now. Every school should have like a metal detector. Like they do in detector. inner cities like they have been for the past 20 years. And guess where school shootings don't happen? In inner cities. Isn't uh, that interesting? Because everybody has a gun. No, I'm just I'm, the most, I'm the most, kidding. The most volatile uh, neighborhoods where like, m- there's way more violence and Dude, existential like crisis is happening. We all know only white kids commit school shootings. It's just reality. Uh but, well, it's not proven, but the track record says so. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's like kind of like how it's kind of like how white people are always the serial killers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're you're not wrong, <laughs> but it fits it fits with the with the with the uh, the comparison to Putin and Russia because here we are again. We're reactionary. You know, we, when we could have done 
millions of things, it seems like, from between 1990 and today to not at, at least at least not make it to where somebody like Putin could justify what he did. Because we we won't justify it, but he can point to a to a plethora of different things, a bunch of grievances, yeah, yeah, that the West has done that make it make sense to him, and and he can make it make sense to his own people. It's never going to make sense to us, but and again, that goes right back to the to the to the school shooting allegory, where you know who do you blame? Who started it? Where where do we where did this whole thing begin? Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought the school shooting like uh, allegory was like a good, a good parable or metaphor of sorts to uh, try to compare it because it's like I'm I'm getting really frustrated with the fact that a lot of people like so we're on our show and we're constantly talking about when it comes to our foreign policy, America's foreign policy is just trash. It's so bad. We've talked about Nicaragua and El Salvador and like Venezuela, which is another good topic. <clears throat> Iran in the fifties. Like we've done so many things. Haiti. I can, like as I'm talking, I'm just keep thinking of other countries that we've just fucked with Cuba, like and like with our foreign policy and stuff. And it's uh, Ukraine is one that's just we. The uh, the chickens have come home to roost, and it's. And I think uh, I think it goes to. I think this is an age old question. I think this is something that's really, really since World War II. This is a question that whether you consider yourself conservative or liberal, and I'm not even talking about Democrat or Republican because you know those two definitions have swapped back and forth multiple times throughout history republicans used to be liberals based on convenience way back in the day yeah based on convenience i'm talking about whether whether you're 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 liberal or conservative how much uh say should the united states want or have in global policy because you know the neocons will sit there and they'll go well, it's it's better that we're on top, right? We it, it, maybe we'll have to maybe we have to be mean sometimes, but it's better that we're on top than if anybody else is on top, and we do that in the name of national security, you know. And then the other side of that coin is the more isolationist view, which is, you know, hey, maybe our system works really well for what we like to do. And we shouldn't force it on the rest of the world. And I think which of those is correct is an incredibly complicated answer. Because you could point to a hundred different reasons for why we need to intervene in certain aspects of global geopolitics. And and you you, you could make really, really good arguments for intervening. And on the other side of that coin a lot of really, really good arguments could be made for not intervening. And I don't think either one of those things is 100% correct. I don't, I don't know if you agree with that or if you feel like we should do one or the other. I, it's just, I, I, I feel like it's, it's a case-by-case basis, but the problem that we run into is it seems like every single case we're, we're, we're running in. Unless, unless... We have a financial incentive not to, and I would point 
to Saudi Arabia, which is where Ooh. we'll turn next. <laughs> yeah, no. Unless America's, you had something to add to that. America's very reactionary. You know, we have emotional knee-jerk reactions to literally everything. And I don't even know if like we find like we 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 constantly put the cart in front of the horse when it comes to things like that. What what you're talking about when it comes to how we respond to things and stuff like that. Like look how fast we all of a sudden like oh no Venezuela is great. All of a sudden Venezuela is great because we need to replace six to ten percent of our uh, our our oil. Yeah, and they have it. And, and two they years, have it. And two years ago, and this is why this is why when people go, if Trump was in office, this wouldn't happen. This is why I can't stand when people say shit like this because two years ago, Donald Trump was the guy that was going. What was it? what's the guy's name? Juan Guaido. Yeah, we the froze tr- all of uh, Venezuela's assets and threw their at threw their dollar into the gutter. The, Juan Guaido, the true president of Venezuela, now. I can guarantee you, even if Trump were still in office, he would be begging at the feet of Maduro. Or, or there's another scenario. His his ego could be so huge that he would rather just let gas prices rise than go to somebody like and then blame the Democrats and then blame the Democrats. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and, that's, and that and and that's. That, I know it, that's it's, it's interesting. Either way, the actually, same shit is happening, regardless of who's president right now. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because actually, I'm looking at an article from Reuters, and uh, let me find the actual quote from Guan Guaido. The uh, the illegitimate, legitimate president, based on which day it is <laughs> here in America, <laughs> and. Uh, his little two cents on on Maduro working with the American government with doing the oil. He's just he goes. Uh, this is like the last sentence of the whole article from Reuters, and it's uh, Venezuela's opposition asks oil companies to stick to stick to democracy. And he goes, Guaido said that lifting oil sanctions and granting licenses to companies seeking to collect on pending debt from their operations in Venezuela must be progressive and subject to concrete achievements towards democracy. So he's basically saying, like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> but isn't 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 one Guido? Isn't he the the isn't he the right wing guy? He's gotta be. I just, yeah. Yeah, he's not uh the nationalized socialist guy. Mm-hmm. And you know what's really dirty? Is uh Chevron it has their hands all in this. Of course they do. They're they're turning over record profits. Isn't that dirty? Also, that the fact that like oil, like oil prices of barrels is is going down right now. Like they're trending down, mm-hmm. but gas prices continue to stay the same and go up because why, oil companies can just. That's why you and I look any anybody this and and I don't mean to offend anyone. Okay, I love you all. I'm glad you're listening. If you are the type of person that posts a meme about gas prices and the president you're an idiot i i don't say that often on this show you're just an idiot it's not how it works it's never been how it works it's always been based on futures and it's always basically been how oil companies and the people that pump the oil i.e saudi arabia the uae in certain cases russia in certain cases venezuela how they want these prices to come around 
Yeah, no, it's interesting, actually. I forget where I heard it, but just today someone was saying that it's like, well, uh, the oil companies lost big and during 2020 during the uh, during the uh, pandemic, you know, and they had all this oil produced out and then they had to sell it for pennies on the dollar. So now they're try- just trying to make up their losses. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what this is. The fact that gas was down to what? Like, I think I saw it at one point, a dollar eighty five at one point during the height of the pandemic when nobody was driving because there was a big surplus. We had all this gas, but nobody was driving. So what are you going to do? Supply and demand. You got to drop the prices. Right. So they got to make up for that loss. And that's what it is. And look, so I will say this. Is there something that are there things that Joe Biden could be doing to immediately relieve the way we feel at the pump? Yeah, there are. And unfortunately, getting a deal done with Saudi Arabia and the UAE or Venezuela, it's or, you know, continuing to do business with Russia, really the only ways that he can make this happen right now. Because when people go, you know, drill, baby, drill, and and reopen the Keystone Pipeline and all this stuff, that, that, that's all well and good. And that's I'm glad you said that because when we talk about reopening, and I'm putting that quote, it was never actually open. Pipeline, they've had the pipe. Like, there's Keystone Pipeline, which it was never nixed. That's still running. Yeah. It was the Keystone XL that's that was right, another right. pipeline that was supposed to come through that never had a drop of oil go through it. And at this point, even if construction never halted, we'd still be a year away from oil going through that pipeline. And that's the thing about drill, baby, drill, right? Which is, that's all well and good. We still don't have, we don't quite have the infrastructure to refine it right now. So look, should Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whoever the fuck is president be figuring out ways to be less reliant on foreign oil? for the future 100% but how long have we been saying that yeah. how literally how long have we been saying that so you, you i i have my issues with joe biden and i have my issues with the way he's handled the ukraine situation and the inflation situation but for the love of fuck enough with this Gas prices are high, so Joe Biden's a bad president. There are a million reasons why Joe Biden's a bad president. High gas prices is not one of them. Right. And and he's not going to do it. The next guy's not going to do it. The, or lady, whoever's after him, whoever's after, whoever's after her and him and her. It's probably going to be DeSantis. Nobody be is going president. to fix a reliance on foreign oil. Nobody's done it before. You're, you know... Certain people's precious Donald Trump didn't do it. Barack Obama didn't do it. Bush two didn't do it. Clinton didn't do it. Nobody's going to do it. So that's why when I just get so frustrated when I see these memes of ah, Biden, thanks Uncle Joe for the high gas prices. I just like <laughs> I cannot describe to you how stupid you sound, and I don't like to say that to my audience, but just please. Find a different perspective. They're just waking up. Sorry, I'm actually sweating right there. I just got so upset. Calm down, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm also I also sit in the hottest room of the of the house here, so that's part of it. I purposely chose to put my studio in the hottest room of the house. Not purposely. 
didn't didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty wild. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Are we getting into our, our red pill, blue pill? Yeah. So okay, I really got to come up with some music for this segment. We have. I, when's the last time we did one of these? It's been a minute. No, we did one uh, right in the beginning of March because, like, I wasn't even gonna. Oh, like, that's right. You sw- you took the <clears throat> bullet. I wasn't even going to entertain the argument, and I was like, "Yeah, just next next me out. I'm I'm taking a bullet." So, any new listeners to the show? Uh, this is a game that Corey and I play not every episode, but we try to as often as we can. Which is uh, red pill, blue pill. We give you a narrative, and we give you the. Uh, I'm sorry, we give you a topic, and we give you the blue narrative or the left narrative. And the red narrative, or the right narrative. Actually, I feel like my camera's backwards, so maybe maybe I should have been pointing different direction. doesn't matter. Uh, this is going to be about gas prices. So the blue pill is, I'll spend more money on gas if it helps Ukrainians defeat tyranny. And the red pill is, Biden relies too much on foreign oil and needs to start tapping here at home. Did I do a really? Did I do a good job of imitating those two? Yeah, you did a really good job because of the fact that you didn't just dive right into a southern accent. Because we've been <laughs> every time we talk about Republicans, we just go to straight southern accent, <laughs> which is not right. We shouldn't do that. Or gay accent for the left. <laughs> I kind of did that. I kind of did that for blue, didn't I? That was the utter uh, complete mistake. I Stereotypes are fun. You swallowing the red pill or the blue here, blue pill here, Corey? Well, I don't have any more bullets, uh, lead in the chamber, so I'm gonna have to go with the red pill, and this is why. I'm really, really sick and tired of seeing these memes of people going. I don't care that I have to spend $6 at the pump because my family's not being bombed in Ukraine. And it's like, great, that's fine. But why are we using that as a measurement <laughs> to, to like decide on the fact of whether or not you're living an okay life? It's like, that's it. Like that's the, like, that's what we've come to. It's whether or not you're being bombed on whether or not you can feed your family, have a job, and live a thriving life here in America. It could be, I see memes it could be of people, so much worse. It could be so much worse. Yeah, but you know what? It could also be better. And it, it's funny because like when you think about it, it goes it goes to like, you know, you ready for another uh Corey Corey algorithm or Corey uh, allegory? Yeah, Corey's allegories. It's like when you go into work, right? Like so, for example, I went out for St. Patty's Day last night. I only got a couple hours of sleep because I was out all night singing Kiss Me, I'm Shit Face by Dropkick Murphys. Right. I was out way later than I should have singing Kiss Me, I'm Shit Face with my Irish cape on at the bars. And, you know, I go into work and I'm like, nah, fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking tired. I only got four hours of sleep last night. And there's always that asshole that goes, oh, yeah, well, I only got three. And it's like, oh, okay, great. Good for you. Your less lack of sleep doesn't make me feel any less tired. Right. Yeah, so it's. What's happening in Ukraine is a tragedy, but that doesn't make it any less painful at the pump 
that now I have to decide on whether or not I'm going to buy my kid extra yogurt packets and some probiotics or not, because I'm about to spend an extra 30 or 40 bucks at the pump. There's people that are going to have to like really, really change the semantics of how they're going to be living their life for the next week because an extra 70, $80 is going into their tank versus into the household. And here's, and here's what's really interesting. I think, I think folks that if you, if you're listening closely to this episode and it's your first one, pay attention because even after the huge rant that I just gave about people shitting on Joe Biden for reasons they shouldn't be shitting on him for, I'm still going to swallow the red pill. And the reason I'm going to swallow the red pill isn't necessarily for immediate reasons. It's for everything that I said during that rant about how we've never had a government that has been willing to rely more on homegrown oil as opposed to foreign oil. That's not Joe Biden's fault. But he can be the one right here today to make the decision to start doing that for the future. And it's funny because they're actually trying to spin that now. Like It cracks me up, dude. Like, what happened to climate change and global warming? Now one of the talking points from the Biden administration is Biden's given more leases <laughs> to, to drill on America's federal lands than Trump did in his first year. <laughs> and it's like, well, wait a minute. How all of a sudden is that a good thing? You guys are talking about green energy. No, and and look, this is this is, and I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about Andrew Yang when I get into my monologue. But this is one of the things I love about Andrew Yang is that he's he's a, he's a guy that understands climate change is real. Okay, and and so do I, and I think you do as well, Corey. However, we're not the type of people that think that you can just turn off the oil taps tomorrow. Now, there are two ways to look at that. You can go, oh, well, if, if, if you could be the type of person that goes, eh, whatever, that's hundreds of years away. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about climate change. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect my kids. Nobody I ever know is going to be affected by it. And that's one way to look at it. And, and you could just go, oh, we'll just keep kicking that renewable energy can down the road. Or you can be the kind of person that, goes, well, we got to probably start this thing somewhere. Now, that doesn't mean, and I think this is where Andrew Yang is, that doesn't mean we have to turn the oil taps off tomorrow. That would be catastrophic if we did that. But that doesn't mean that we can't start moving towards more renewable energy. And the thing that upsets me about that, we've ta- I think we've talked about this before, Corey, is the idea that nuclear energy is such a bad option when it's probably the best option we have it really is clean not as dangerous as it was 40 years ago relatively easy to build we're in a we're in an area where uh warfare hopefully won't be and and certainly hasn't been a problem since the civil war like we don't have to worry about nuclear plants getting blown up like they might over in ukraine and they have plenty of them by the way and you have Germany turning off their nuclear option steadily over the past decade or so, being more reliant 
on Russian natural gas and oil, which are A, bad for the environment, and B, right now, really fucking bad for their economy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Turn up the nuclear option. I don't think... Did I answer red pill, blue pill? Yeah, I'm swallowing the red pill. That's I did say that. Yeah. Yeah, I am too, because... I'm tired of this feigned, like everyone on social media is like feigning, like they're okay with it. But I promise you that all of those people aren't at the pump with a smile on their face. A hundred, none of them, not a single one. And you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, I'm a little uh, biased on the situation. And you know what you, how many people are there going, this is for Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) You, if you want my personal advice, it might be a little late to get on the train now because of the way the stock market is for oil prices. But if you're really upset about oil prices, like what you pay at the pump, buy a buy stock in oil because every time the gas price goes up, the stock goes up to where it's like you could be sitting there literally watching your stock and your gas go up as that price is skyrocketing on your uh, tank. And then you can go, well, at least I got some of it back. Dude, I got some Corey, of it back. you know, what's so funny is like, as, as you were starting that, I have an idea for you. I thought you were, I thought you, I thought you were doing the callous Stephen Colbert thing of, I drive, buy a Tesla. I drive a Tesla. Buy, buy a car. That's the same price as the median annual salary of the country. It's no big deal. Just go and just upend your personal finances. I and drive get a, a car Tesla, that you can't afford. Which, by the way, still uses fossil fuels, just in case anybody didn't know. Yeah. You still what do you have do? to you plug that into your outlet that's charged by coal. Good job. Coal, oil, natural gas. Yeah. I drive a Tesla. That I can't believe he fucking did that shit. But that those that's the limousine liberalism that I can't stand that I talk about all the time. Just this yeah. callous. Well, I drive a Tesla, so I don't care. I'll pay. I, you know, it doesn't matter what gas prices are. Yeah, well, 100%. the people that you pretend to care about that your that your people pretend to care about have to go spend more money to get to their shitty minimum wage job every fucking day. But you 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 constantly. Tweet about how you care about poor people. Oh, it's your it's your American duty to pay more at the pump now. Right. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, I hate there's just there's just no nuance. In all of it. And that's I guess that's why we're here, Dan. You want to talk about the appropriations package real quick? Because that, that feeds right into everything we've just been talking about. And then I'll get to my monologue. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. $1.5 trillion in the is, appropriations this, now, package. Uh, let me set this up real quick, Corey, by not setting it up at all, because this is mostly you. <laughs> You've done a lot more research on this than me. So I'll let you take it over and I'll just I'll just give my two cents that probably won't make sense to anybody else. Okay. Off you go. Oh, you're frozen on my screen. I hope you're not. Lo- I hope you're not leaving us. Oh no, I'm not frozen. I thought you said you were going to give your two cents. No, that was it. That was my two cents. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I was just waiting patiently. Yeah. So we uh, we slipped in a 1.5 trillion appropriations package during this whole 
Ukraine thing. And it's the typical run of the mill, you know, uh, money to this, money to that. Uh, but here's here's what uh, stuck for me. And actually, if you look at our Facebook page recently, I shared an article about it. Um, we we have this bill, you know, and we still have people dying like 1,500 a day or whatever it is roughly from COVID. And in this bill, there was, what was it? Uh, I think 14 or $15 billion that was going to COVID, right? To, to to uh help like stave off any sort of wave or anything like that and immediately everyone clenched their butt cheeks and went well hold on there's still billions of dollars that is unspent from the covid relief packages and it's like okay yeah that's fair that's money that's unspent that was there designed to help states recover from the covid uh uh recession but when we look at the actual hospitals and everything that's going on, when we come, when it comes to our healthcare infrastructure, when you like, for example, you listen to the Alsterham, I think his name's Alsterham, the Rogan uh, interview, Dr. Alsterham. Yeah. We are no better off now than we were two years ago for our hospitals when it comes to dealing with a, 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 a huge surge in like ER and things like that. Like everyone's like, Oh my God, COVID we're at 80% capacity in the hospital. And it's like, yeah, but they were at between 60 and 80% before COVID because our healthcare system is privately operated based on profit driven things and ICU floors are expensive. Yeah, and I'll I'll just jump in real quick with with this with my two cents, as I said. Um inflation, Dan, it's four cents now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of my biggest issues about the way the COVID narrative went down, and now that it's basically over because Russia invaded Ukraine, we're not talking about it anymore. It's like, what did we learn from it? Nothing. And it just seems like the answer is fucking nothing. The answer is nothing. We learned how to better control people. We learned how to better make sure you stay inside and don't fight against the narrative because if it does, you might kill your grandma. We learned how to do that. Yeah. But did we learn how to prevent the next next pandemic? Did we learn how to how to how how we can help the healthcare system do better? Should there be another pandemic? No. Yeah. Didn't do any of that. And arguably I think we're worse off because if there is another pandemic, Which there's, there such will a lack be. Of, there's such a lack of trust in the institutions now that like everybody, even people who were sensible in the beginning and not yelling it isn't real are gonna be like, ah, dude, are you really gonna lock us down again? Are you really gonna do this? It proved it didn't work last time. I might be one of those people. I'm just I might gonna be say too. it. I'm just gonna say it right out front. I might be one of those people, dude. When this was happening, when we were at a thousand deaths a day, I was terrified. Two years ago, I was terrified. I, bought, I stayed like I home. I, I washed my groceries. It. I wore a mask everywhere. I put on an N95. I did everything I was supposed to do. Marissa and I and stayed you thought inside. You were and, smart. You're like, yeah. I'm not gonna catch this shit. Yeah, Marissa and I stayed inside on St. Patrick's Day, 2020, and played beer pong on our island by ourselves on Zoom. Like, mm-hmm. like that actually happened. Yeah, yeah, I played beer pong at House Party, another app that people like I had my camera set up at the end of the table. Yeah. And then like I had my beer cup set up on one end and my friends had theirs set up on their end of their camera and we took turns and yeah, yeah, yep. 
I didn't mean and to interrupt like, you. No. I just don't think we didn't. I just don't think we learned anything we should have learned from. We this did it, and pandemic. the hospital system is still set up the same way it was, and so they and maybe worse this, because nurses have quit. And we nixed this uh, money from like the bill, right? Because oh, we don't know where we're like we, where's this money going to come from. But we turned around and added forty two billion to the defense bill. Ah, yes. We added thirteen billion to go to Ukraine for weapons. Oh, it tastes so good. All right, what are you, Raytheon? What are you? What are you, Lockheed Martin? General Dynamics? That's what that sounds like. Do I look like a rat? <laughs> <laughs> you look like a Raytheon rat. And uh, so what I'm saying is, it's like whenever it's money for home, whenever it's money for anything that we need to take care of here, it's always like. Um, you better fucking dive into the couch, scrounge for some pennies. But whenever it comes to anything military, it's like, oh yeah, here, take this. Go ahead, sell my 1979 fucking sports card. <laughs> Find that money, however you can. We have throw to, it into. We that. have to protect freedom. For, so forty-two billion dollars added onto our annual defense budget, and on top of that, thirteen billion dollars that goes straight to ukraine for covid no, i don't know it's, where, where, where are we going to get that money from dan you know and it just goes right back to that nuance of how how does helping ukraine like should we help ukraine versus shouldn't we help ukraine and i think the obvious answer is that we should however it also points out the hypocrisy, as you just talked about, of, you know, oh, it's, it's real simple. Uh, we have to stop Putin. Like, we have to stop now, or literally the whole world's going to end. If we don't stop now, it's it's over. We're, gonna, yeah, we're all going to die. As evidenced by the very fucking poll we shared earlier from 44% to 28% of uh, yeah. other Americans but, but being also, But also, two years ago, if we don't stop COVID, we're all going to die. But somehow, the money... Yeah, we. I mean, everybody got checks. That was nice. How much money did you get? I got like two grand or whatever the hell the final tally was at the end of it. I mean, I mean it was nice. Whatever. I took it and I used it as I saw fit. But like, I don't know that that was enough to really solve the issue or prevent the next issue. Yeah. But we have to stop Putin. We have to stop him today. If we don't stop him today, the world's going to end. New boogeyman. And it's like, I want to get to this point where... At least that makes more sense. It's a lot easier to hate like an actual figure than like a bacteria or a virus. <laughs> no, well, no, but in, if, you don't, if you don't hate the virus, we'll just get you to hate your neighbor because they didn't get vaccinated. That's what we'll do. That's or we'll true. get you to hate your neighbor because they did get vaccinated. Whichever side, of the, whichever the side, whichever side <laughs> whatever, you fall on, it doesn't matter. Whatever uh, slop you're eating that day uh, <laughs> from the trough. <laughs> Eh, it's over now, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, COVID's over. It's completely- Why are we even talking about it? COVID's gone. Totally over. You watching March Madness? These stadiums are full. Every one of them. No masks. Full of people. No masks. No vaccination requirements. Doesn't matter. I saw Michigan won. They did win. That was a happy day for me. Yeah. And I, I was, my, fa- uh, my favorite NFL team, the uh, Oakland Raiders, got the uh, acquired the, the the best receiver in the NFL. So I, I just call them the Oakland Raiders because they are not the Oakland Raiders anymore. They no, are not they're the, the Las Vegas. They are the Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. I even know that. Yeah, I know you know that. 
I mean, I even, even my sweatshirt says Las Vegas on it. I, sometimes, you know, you get caught up in nostalgia. So I called them the Oakland Raiders. I apologize to anybody who's offended by nostalgia. that. nostalgia. Why can't we just keep drinking fountain separate? <laughs> keep, keep the lines down. Boy, I miss those days. Shall I get to my uh, my Andrew Yang-based monologue at this point now? Are we, yeah, are why we, not? Are we ready for that? I think so. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if everybody's ready for that. We, wait, that's not the first, that's not the first word of my monologue. When? You're starting off great, Dan. <laughs> when you're young, you wait for the Calvary to come save you. When you get older, you realize you are the Calvary. That's a quote from Andrew Yang himself. After Russia's invasion of Ukraine, I've started thinking. Thinking about the world as I know it. As a, as a 33-year-old man with a, with a girlfriend, a home, a pickup truck, a pool table, and two kick-ass dogs, not to mention every 30-something dude's wet dreams of an unhealthy golf habit and a pellet smoker, my conclusion is I've got it pretty damn good. But how many of you are putting a Ukrainian flag in your social media picture and tweeting a couple of pro-Ukrainian memes? How much more do you think about it outside of the 10 minutes of cable news or YouTube that you're able to pay attention to every day? Let me be the first to tell you that it means nothing. It's not helpful. In fact, it's actually a little insulting. Keep sipping your single-origin coffee while watching Netflix and tweeting your support for Ukraine as people die. It's what we do here. Just be on the right side of history. Never mind who's actually writing it. It's our turn to write it, millennials. We have a responsibility. There's an argument to be made that millennials are the most important generation in world history to date. It's not hyperbole if you think about it. The internet is unquestionably the most powerful tool humans have ever invented. The good and evil the internet can provide to the world is infinite. We already see it from spreading information that can keep people or that can help people escape a war zone to helping a pedophile procure their next victim. The internet does all of it. Where do millennials fit in? We are the internet generation, the last generation to remember a world without smartphones and social media. The internet grew up with us and through us. We have knowledge of the internet that no other generation does. For those older than us, it's more difficult for them to see the dangers of what they read and see on the internet because they come from the Walter Cronkite and that's the way it is way of media. They trust it. Why would they lie? It's the news after all. Those younger than us don't even know a world without the internet. It's a toy, a way of being in the world. Life revolves around it. Because so much of everyday life revolves around the internet, it's our responsibility as millennials to be the pragmatists, to be the voices of reason. It snuck up on us, I know. Yesterday I was drinking cheap vodka and orange juice, playing beer pong and vomiting at a dorm toilet at Lawrence Tech. And I didn't even go to school there. We have to be the ones to take the human race to the next phase. Without us, the world is, a, is in a rowboat in the middle of a lake with no oars. Could it get ashore? Sure. Will it be hard? Absolutely. 
The cavalry is not coming to save us anymore. We are the cavalry. Russia's invasion of Ukraine was the thing we should realize we were missing. A real danger of global war. I don't mean to fear monger, but it is a real danger. American millennials have now seen the largest single act of war on American soil since the Civil War. I'm referring to 9-11. The biggest recession since our great-grandparents, and now an actual threat of global war. All before most of us have turned 40 years old. Boomers, Gen Xers, and Zoomers can't claim that. Now that we've quote-unquote seen it all, so to speak, and have the best grasp of the world's most powerful and important tool, it's up to us to be the world's voice of reason. We aren't kids anymore. The oldest millennials are now entering their 40s, while the youngest to find themselves closing out their 20s. Never before has our culture and politics been so transparently propagandized. Many of my contemporaries are able to see it, but aren't sure how to approach it. Ukraine is just the latest example, albeit with the possibility of world-ending consequences if the wrong buttons are pushed, no pun intended. Putin is evil. There is no doubt about that. But the pro-Ukrainian propaganda is so obviously dishonest. The idea that the entire conflict is totally Putin's fault is an obvious fallacy that about an hour's worth of reading from good sources will break down for anyone who cares to look for it. Coups, NATO expansion, the EU's reliance on Russian energy, etc. There's also the trans the transparent hypocrisy of dealing with the Saudis and Venezuela to replace the oil the U.S. sanctimoniously refuses to buy from Russia because they're doing bad things. It's okay, though. The Saudis are killing poor brown people. We don't like it, but we just, we just won't talk about it. It's the power of the Internet that helps us understand these things in short order. You just have to filter out the propaganda. It can be hard. Millennials do it best, but even we're not perfect at it. We get duped sometimes, too. But the main rule of thumb should be, if it's a simple explanation of a complex problem that took years or decades to bear out, it's probably bullshit. It's time for millennials to use their experience to fix the world however we can. We likely won't end racism or bring peace to the Middle East. We're probably not going to liberalize China. But we can do but we but what we can do is use our experience to start repairing systems that have fallen into disrepair. Things like our media and how it functions, which is something we are already doing. Podcasts and internet shows featuring millennials are be, are bringing real transparent news to the world and outrating propaganda machine the propaganda machines of cable news and corporate print media by harnessing the power of the internet. And transparent news doesn't mean you can't have a political leaning and it doesn't mean you can't have an opinion as long as you're honest, fair, and operating in good faith. Capitalism is another system millennials can fix. The notion that capitalism is inherently evil is, to me, a defeatist attitude. Capitalism has brought innovation and expanded wealth the world over. There are less people today wondering where their next meal will come from than at any point in human history. 
That's not to trivialize the plight of those that are fighting for food or a place to live. It's clear we can still do better. But capitalism is not evil. It's just broken. It's been bastardized by inefficiency and greed. It's been it's melded itself into our politics, causing America to be overrun by corporate oligarchs. I'm not entirely sure how to go about fixing capitalism, but a great place to start would be would be within academia. MBA programs have turned into little more than an assembly line for middle management. Teach them enough to have a great bottom line, but don't teach them so much that they can go off on their own and innovate. God forbid business administrators find a way to pay workers more, give them sick leave, and a reasonable a reasonable amount of vacation time while also improving productivity and keeping the company churning out profits. Status quo, baby. And it's all born out of propaganda. It's time to be the Calvary Millennials. Boomers are moving into old folks' homes that have yet to be built. Gen Xers are maddeningly and respectably agnostic. And Zoomers will get there, but they're still in diapers. Millennials need to be the generation to right the ship for the rest. We won't make the world a utopia. And we still need the experience of those before us and the energy of the youth after us. But it's our time to lead. We're not kids anymore. Man, I got thirsty reading that. (laughs) You know, though, you're you're right. It's, uh, we are, we're all adults now. We're not, we're not kids anymore. And I think time and time again, it's proven that like there is going to be no Superman complex. There is going to be no savior to come in and swoop in and tell us everything's going to be okay and fix the things. We're the generation that does have to make the change. We got people younger than us who aren't, don't have, I guess, enough perspective and context to actually really make a change. They are and then old I mean, people the, that are stuck in their ways. The Zoomers are what we were when the Gen Xers should have taken should have taken over for boomers. And they just didn't do it. And honestly, I don't hate them for it. They were just they were like the, the Kurt Cobain like grunge generation of uh we're just we just, we just hate everything. And then they kind of grew up and they kind of became this this generation of just agnosticism where it's just like, eh, well, Fuck it. I'm just gonna live my life. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. that's kind of the way I view Gen Xers, but like and that's okay. I, I mean, given the circumstances of, of how they how they grew up and the generation that they grew up in. But we don't I don't think I don't think millennials have that luxury. I really don't. I mean the, the, the way that the way that we've become so polarized, we have a responsibility. We do. I think. I think we have a responsibility to kind of bring the world back together because, and I, and it's like I said in my monologue. I think a lot of that has to do with the internet. Boomers don't know what the fuck they're doing on the internet. Sorry, boomers, I love you, but you, you, you don't. You, 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 it's so much easier for boomers to just fall into these, you know, these QAnon, Alex Jonesian conspiracy theoretical nonsense things because it's the internet. Why would it lie to me? I see it all the time. Yeah, and like, then, yeah, I like to call Zoom- them the MK Ultra. 
Yeah, and then the Zoomers generation. are like, the Zoomers are just like, I'm just gonna make my next TikTok, and that's well, they well, they just, they just, they, they, the veil. There was no veil for them because of the internet that they see it the way it is, and they're just like, this is an absolute clown show, so I don't give a fuck. <laughs> And, the thing, and, and they're also young. They'll grow up. They'll they'll go in. They'll they'll get into our position, and hopefully, we'll do a little bit better job than the boomers did because the boomers just don't want to give up the goddamn power. They just and and we pro, and let's be honest. I'm only 33 years old. I'm I still consider myself a very young man. When I'm in the boomers' position, am I going to want to give up my position? Eh, maybe not. Maybe not. I hope. I hope that I've learned something from the generation prior and can say, all right, I know when to stop. But I can't right. promise that that'll be the case. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, no, that was, that was a uh, really, I really, really liked that monologue actually. Cause when we talk about the generational divide and like, there isn't anyone that's going to save us, Dan. We are the ones that have to uh, step up and go, why why the fuck are we doing it like this? <laughs> it's time to change it. It's time and it's gonna be our responsibility. Now look, boomers or I'm sorry, um millennials are now it's it's so funny because I do you remember the way when we were, I don't know, at the tail end of high school, maybe in our early twenties, the way that you would hear boomers talk about us? You remember that? Yeah. Do you remember how it was just like it was. It was. It's very it was degrading. Just, it was just that typical. And well, these kids today. I want to be the first generation not to do that, right? But what's you funny know, is I already <laughs> find myself doing it. You know, it's also funny. <laughs> My wife mentioned to me the other day she was reading something. You know, I don't have the article, the link, or anything in front of me, but she was reading something, and she's like, "Corey, this year says that fifty percent of like the boomer generation people like." Between like, uh, what was it? Between 1950 and 1985 or 80 or something like that, that 50% of them were exposed to high lead content <laughs> through the paint and through the pipes. Well, that explains it. That explains it. And all. I was like, you mean to tell me that 50% of the people that are older than us are just fucking retarded? <laughs> Not supposed to use the R word. Sorry, I, I'm not supposed to drop the R word. But like, you, you mean that 50 percent of the people above us are just mentally incapacitated due to, due to lead exposure? Well, that explains Joe Biden. It explains Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And let's be Pelosi, honest, and Donald, Donald Trump, Trump. Yeah. Chuck Schumer. Oh God! You can just keep fucking going down the list. That's why Mitch McConnell looks like a frog. Well, they keep putting chemicals in the water to turn the frogs gay. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, there's there's no one here to save us. We all kind of got to step up. Yeah, we are the cavalry guys. That's we are. It's it's up to us, and it's it's it's. It, I think it's small steps too, right? It's it's having that first conversation. I listened to, um, I listened to Bright uh, and I said they're like a million years old and need to retire already. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing is like I hope I hope we are the first generation to get to that age. And An eighty year old man does not represent us twenty and thirty year olds. I couldn't agree more. 
I couldn't agree. One hundred percent right. And uh, <laughs> I can't even remember what I was what I was talking about. Now you distracted me. I'm distracted sorry. me with those two very poignant comments from uh, from Bright Eyes on Twitch. We're we talking about all the old heads. I can't remember what I was saying. Doesn't matter. Let's see. I'm already must- getting old. It's already time for me to retire. <laughs> what is this? Senilism. <laughs> Whatever. The oh, no, I remember what I was going to say. Um, perspective changes. I was actually listening to uh, uh, Daryl Davis, who is one of my fucking idols on uh, the most recent. I don't know if it's most recent at this point, but as of a couple of days ago, the most recent episode of. Yeah. Joe Rogan. Sorry. Sorry, people that don't like Joe. Um, for the, for anybody who doesn't know who Daryl Davis is, Daryl Davis is a, a, a brilliant musician. He's a black man that has converted multiple. um KKK members and neo-Nazis just simply by talking to him. And he he said something that was I, I thought was just so brilliant. And I'm going to listen to him because he's been able to convert people with these incredibly hateful and ridiculous ideologies. He said that the problem, and I'm paraphrasing, he didn't say it exactly like this, but this is the way I took it. People often try to change people's reality, right? When you have an argument with somebody on social media you're you know a differing opinion you know a trump supporter versus a hillary supporter or whatever you have an argument and you go well your reality's fucked up you try to change their reality that doesn't work you're not going to change somebody's reality but he also said that somebody's perception is their reality you're never going to change somebody's reality but what you can do is you can change somebody's perception which then allows them to change their own reality and i thought that was a fucking brilliant way to put it Give That's somebody a really great way to put it. Give somebody a a different way to think about something. They might not walk away from that conversation agreeing with you, but you're going to you you've now given them a different perception and a different way to think about something. Planted a seed. Uh, you've planted a seed, and you've you've gotten them to lower their defenses. So, so yeah, you might have to listen to their bullshit if you're talking to somebody who's a white supremacist or whomever. You might have to listen to them say things like, oh, yeah, black people have a gene that makes them more violent and other ridiculous nonsense that we all know is not true. But if, if you immediately go to, you're a fucking idiot, that's not true, even though you know that's not true, you're not helping the situation, yeah, because the, way, the like, way he put it, Corey, the way he the way he compared it was to a like an eight year old kid that goes to a magic show, and he goes and he sees him he sees the he sees the magician pick somebody out of a crowd, picks a woman out of a crowd, puts her in a box, cuts her in half. That eight year old comes home and he says, "Oh my god, I just saw this magician cut somebody in half. It was amazing." And you and you know that the magician didn't really cut that woman in half. But you can't say to the eight-year-old. Well, but you're not no. going to tell the eight-year-old. Yeah. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not really. It's not really. It's just an illusion, right? And he'll go, No, well, no, I was there. You weren't even there. I saw him. You cut the lady in half. Instead of saying something like that, you would say, Well, what if? What if he planted that woman in the audience, and then she came up to the stage, and she was in half of the box, and then they stuck these fake feet out of the end? When you start planting seeds like that, now that eight-year-old can start to go. Oh yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense. And I'm paraphrasing. If you want to listen, please. I mean, please go. Please go look up Daryl Davis. He's a he's a brilliant man, and he's he's somebody that he's, he's a perfect example of why censorship and things like that are important. Yeah, to not have in our 
society. And he's one of my bucket list guys. If there's uh, if there's anybody who knows Daryl Davis, I would love to speak with him. He's uh, he's one of my bucket list uh, interviews for this show. He was on one of Joe Rogan's latest episodes. Go check out the episode. It's uh, it's just brilliant, and it's and it's a lot of what we try to talk about on this show. Of just take a deep breath and have a conversation. You'd be yeah. so, you'd be surprised where it goes. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, we had some positive news and other things to talk about, but we're getting a little long in the teeth. We can sh- we can save that for next week. I think Daryl Davis was enough positive news. That is you? very positive yeah. news, Dan. I don't mean to discount what you're saying. <laughs> I apologize. I wanted to talk about seesaw slides, swings, and sandboxes. That's very positive. Look. But where can the people <laughs> find us, Corey? Before we before we take off here. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, you can, if you want to continue to join the conversation throughout the week, because even though we only record once a week, we are here basically every day on our social media platforms, trying to institute conversations and have everyone uh, converse and give give each other ideas and have just real thoughtful uh, debates and stuff like that. You can find us on, you can find us on all social media platforms and we are on Instagram Twitter at Libservative Pod. We are on Facebook at Libservative. We have a WordPress where you can see the transcripts for our monologues at Libservative Podcast at WordPress.com. If you want to reach out to us directly, it's Libservative at gmail.com. Libservative Pod uh, at gmail.com. Corey, Libservative Pod at gmail.com. God damn it, Corey. Every time. Every time. Every single goddamn time. Uh, reach out. Uh, uh, come hang out. Watch us our live streams. Uh, if you like what you hear and you want to talk about what we're, t- about we're talking about, when you express that, make sure you tell a friend where you heard it. I'm sure you have one friend to talk about politics with that would be interested in this sort of stuff too. Um, like, follow, and share. Come hang out and join the conversation. We're all about nuance and we're all about just cutting through the bullshit and the oversimplification of the 30-second uh, segments that the mainstream media tries and to put because there's two, nuance and everything. And the 240 character tweets. Until, until then. Until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. He has been Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative, and we are out of here. Oh fuck that video lasts the whole time, doesn't it? It it it's it just I can end it. I didn't I didn't mean to I cut the music too fast. Oh that's why I fucked up. I should have used the actual this thing. And I didn't. Yeah, I was out of practice. <laughs> that's the problem. Whatever. I'll fix it. I'll fix it in post. But yeah, no, that was actually a pretty good episode. <laughs>